Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Merry Christmas Eve and uh, Merry Christmas coming tomorrow. And uh, yeah, this is our last sermon in our series for Advent this year. We've entitled our series Imperfect Christmas. And I'm going to be talking about imperfect messengers today. You know, birth announcements are exciting times in family life. Uh, We can hardly wait to meet that new baby. Uh, these are these are special times. In fact, I think back uh, of us having our children. They're almost like sacred moments when those babies are born, and the first time you get to hold them in your hands, and grandchildren or children. It's it's almost a sacred moment. And the first people to get the good news, the first people that you contact with the good news, are, are really significant in in family life. I can remember when our our children were born, having a list at least mentally. Oh. I had better contact Maureen's mom first. And so, you know, back then you had to go to the pay phone in the hospital and and you you have those numbers written down so you could phone the mother, talk to well, who's next? Well, I better phone my parents next. Well, I better phone uh, Maureen's brother. And then I said, I better get hold of my siblings. And, and that order and who you contact and who you contact first and how soon you contact them is really, really important in family life. Uh, and they better not hear it on Facebook before you have uh, contacted them and let them know the good news, right? Uh, In Matthew's account of the birth story, uh, the wise men are the first to hear the good news. Uh, Astrologers from Persia or Southern Arabia, east of Palestine, they're the first to hear the good news. And they're Gentiles. They're they're completely outside the circle of the Jewish nation. And uh, they come to the capital city of Palestine, which would be Jerusalem, and they're wondering, this star has, has said something. They're, they're thinking something spectacular. A king has been born. And they go there and ask where the king is. And Jewish teachers instruct them that the, probably the city of David would be the place to go. Go to Bethlehem and uh, seek out this child. And so that's what they do. Now, in Luke's account, uh, it's not Magi who here. He doesn't talk about the Magi. Rather, it's shepherds who are the first to get the birth announcement. Uh, they're the first to get the very good news. Now, we learn a lot about uh, shepherds from modern scholarship, and we, we've learned that they're on the lower end of the social scale. Um, they're perceived to be ceremonially unclean. They couldn't wash their hands enough to really participate in the Jewish festivities, the Jewish festivals. They couldn't go to the temple because, uh, well, their job took them out of town uh, to be with the sheep in the fields, and also because they were touching the sheep and and getting involved with all the things that shepherds did, uh, they were ceremonially unclean. And and in fact, they were perceived to be uh, not not really reliable uh, because of all of that, even to give testimony in court. We've also learned that they were probably very young, younger than we imagined. We often picture the shepherds as being old men, but uh, from, even from the Old Testament stories, so for example, the story of David and Goliath, 
We learn that David was at home tending his father's sheep, where his older brothers were all out doing the, uh, the business of the time, which was to be at war. And so we, we found out that, that mainly shepherds were the youngest in the family, and there were often girls. So young girls and young boys, the youngest in the family would be looking after the sheep. It was considered to be kind of a menial job. We've also learned that these shepherds, these young people, were probably looking after lambs that would eventually be sacrificed in the temple because the, the sheep, the flocks for the sacrifice in Jerusalem were often held, uh, kept around the Bethlehem area. But needless to say, these shepherds, these, these first people to hear the announcements were um, imperfect messengers. Uh, they, they weren't the kind of people with the status that you would expect to be given the, the announcement of the Savior's birth. So the f- good news is first announced to unwashed Jews, people outside the inner circle, and to people even further outside the inner circle, um, magi, uh, wise men, uh, astrologers from a foreign country. Both groups, one close to the inner circle, but outside the inner circle, and one group, the magi, a long ways from the inner circle. Outsiders for different reasons. This is unexpected. But I think carefully chosen. If we think that how important it is for us when we announce the birth of our children, think that in, in God's uh, way of viewing, this must have been well thought out, well understood. Why would he, first of all, make the announcement to magi and to shepherd, these imperfect men- mess- messengers? I think he's doing this, in fact, to make a point. Why does the good news come to outsiders? Well, here's our story from Luke's Gospel. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Well, let's stop there and pray. So, Father, thank you for your word for us today. Thank you that um, you very intentionally sent this message, this good news, this this, uh, first message of the Savior being born to shepherds and to magi, to people outside the status quo, their religious inner circle, and pray that we'd understand why and that we would apply that to our lives. In your name we pray, amen. So the key to understanding why the good news came to the shepherds, I think is found in in that last line, verse 14. It says, on earth peace to those on whom his favor rest. Luke was interested in the favor of God. Do you remember the angel comes to Mary and surprises her? Chapter 1 in Luke's gospel, verse 28. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then in Luke's gospel, a little bit later, two verses later, verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So Luke is interested in the favor of God. One translation translates it this way, the word favor, it says, goodwill toward men. 
from Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Helps us understand what that word favor means. It's God's goodwill, his favor, his benevolence. We might say his loving kindness. Or we might even say his grace. Because one of the ways we define grace, remember, is God's unmerited favor. And so Luke's fascination with favor and his description as as Mary being one highly favored, that she's found favor with God, and the angelic messenger saying, peace on earth, on on people on whom his favor rests, gives us a hint that Luke is saying that this message is coming to those on whom God's favor is resting. This idea is picked up by Jesus in his first sermon in Luke's gospel, chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Listen to what Jesus said. Remember the story as Jesus is in the synagogue. It's his turn to read the scriptures. He opens the scroll to Isaiah 61, and he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There it is again. There it is again, this word favor. And, and, and Luke trying to describe to us that this, this Messiah who's coming, this Savior is coming into the world. It's about God's favor. So Jesus is summing up in in Luke's gospel chapter 4 his responsibility in coming to earth. Luke, the gospel writer, uses this, in fact, as a summary for his whole gospel. If you were to read this summary statement, it's like an index of the chapters of, of his account of what Jesus did on earth. He is anointed to preach the good news to the poor. We see him doing that. He's come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He does that. He has come to give the recovery of sight to the blind. He does that. He has come to release the oppressed. He does that. And he has come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, this this coming, this incarnation, this coming of Jesus to the earth is this proclamation of that God's favor, his goodwill, his grace has now come to the earth. Now, Jesus is quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah from chapter 61. And this idea of the year of God's favor is also a reference to something in the Old Testament called the year of Jubilee, uh, found in Leviticus about chapter 25. Uh, The Jews had this law that every 50 years, and they called it the year of Jubilee, their slaves would have to be released. All ancestral land had to be returned to the original owners, and debts were canceled. Imagine that. If you're buying property on the 49th year, the year before the year of Jubilee, it it meant that you were really just buying it for one year. We would perhaps perceive that more as a lease because it was going to have to be returned to the original owners uh, at, on the year of Jubilee. And if you had a debt at the 50th year, it would be canceled. It was a way to reset. It was a way to, well, provide favor, grace to people, to get people back on their feet again. And so Jesus is comparing the year of Jubilee to really a spiritual year of Jubilee. Uh, This is a moment in history, the incarnation, which we could really perceive as the axis 
of world history. You know how the world turns on its axis? So world history turns on this axis of the coming of Jesus Christ, uh, God with us, Emmanuel. We see this as being a pivotal moment in history that changes the past and, and resets the world for the future. God's favor has come to earth. It is now opportunity that uh, we could find favor, grace with God. He has come for the oppressed. He's come for the disenfranchised. The Lord's favor has come to magi, to shepherds, to those outside the uh, the, the palace to those outside the, the core religious establishment. His favor rests on them. But for Herod, for the chief priests, for the Pharisees, they don't get the announcement, and they don't get it. God's favor is not resting on them. While the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed, all the disenfranchised, they get the message. The proud and the self-satisfied will not receive it. They're not on whom God's favor rests. Yeah, actually, we sing this concept in a carol. Do you know which carol this is? How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. O little town of Bethlehem. You see where it says, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Where meek souls will receive him. Now John, Gospel chapter 9, Jesus uh, says that this more emphatically. He, he basically says that you have to admit your blindness, you have to admit your weakness, you have to admit, admit your poverty so that you can really see, so that you can really receive the favor of the Lord. So why doesn't Herod receive the favor? Why doesn't he receive the announcement? Why don't the Pharisees get? Because they're not willing to admit their blindness, their need, their poverty of heart, so that Jesus can come and bring the good news to them. It appears that there are only two groups of people in the world, according to Jesus. Those who admit their need and receive favor and those who won't and don't. That's why Jesus comes to shepherds and to magi, to those outside, to those perhaps who would be perceived as being less than. Because when we admit our poverty, when, when we admit our need, we receive the grace of God. Luke records the angelic announcement this way. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Each title represents something in that description. He is Savior. In other words, Jesus is someone who rescues. He is Messiah. And this man, the anointed one, someone who has been given power, the Spirit by God, to do something spectacular in the world. And he is the Lord. This means he is someone who is God, someone who is all-powerful. This Christmas season, perhaps we should reflect upon the condition of our hearts. Are we the kind of people who admit that we need God's favor? 
admit our poverty of spirit, admit our need to see, admit our need for a Savior, our need for a Lord, our need for a Messiah. I think this is key. And my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we would be those on whom his favor rests. Would you open your heart to him today, this Christmas season, and admit your need? His favor wants to rest on you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for these birth announcements to the Magi and to the shepherds and how you are always interested in those who are a little bit outside, a little bit different, a little bit perhaps um, disenfranchised, perhaps uh, people who are in need. Lord, thank you for your mercy. And this is part of what it means to receive your grace, your unmerited favor. So Lord, I pray particularly for those people who are listening and watching today who just feel that they are a little bit outside, um, that they recognize their, their poverty, their poverty of spirit, their, their, their sense that they just don't quite belong, they just don't quite fit. Lord, I pray that your spirit would come to them and that they would receive your favor, that they would open their hearts to you, that they would listen to the message and gladly receive the good news of Jesus, the Savior the Lord, the Messiah. Thank you, Lord, that you do that because we ask. In your name we pray. Amen. Our doxology is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas season. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscca slash give. See you later.